Let us pray. Holy Father, as we approach thy throne, we desire to do so holily, righteously, and godly. To hallow thy name. We thank you for the confidence that we do have in prayer. And yet at the same time, we do not want to be disrespectful by being what we might consider too familiar. I don't know that we've expressed it as it needs to be said, but we do believe that you know the thoughts and intents of our heart of what we're trying to say. <clears throat> we know that too many people from all appearances, speak far too casual and often blasphemously of taking your name upon their lips. As the psalmist said, it appears that too many people think that you are such a one as man. And yet, as we live out our lives in these sinful bodies, it's impossible to get a full comprehension of your being. I don't know that we will have a full comprehension of your being in glory. For even then, we shall be limited to some degree because we will not be your equals. But I am quite certain that what we do have or will have is far, far superior to anything that we know in this world. We know that ultimately every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess not only of your deity, but even to the truth of thy Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, that he indeed is Lord of lords and King of kings. It appears from some of the scriptures that in doing so, the wicked may do it with gritted teeth. 
Nevertheless, it shall be. And even the devils will magnify thee in judgment. And even when our Lord was upon the earth, some cried out at that time, We know who thou art, Jesus, the Son of God, and wondered if he had come at that time before the appointed time. All of that is a huge mystery to us. But the wrath of man praises you and the remainder you restrain. You set up kings and you bring down kings. And you even put the basis of kings in authority. And while it looks as if everything is out of control from our side of the picture, we thank you that you uphold all things by the word of your power. And that man and devils and Satan himself will not and cannot go beyond thy divine decrees. Even when Satan was let loose on Job, as with the proud waves of the sea, you said that he could come just so far and no further. So we thank You that we have You as our great God of heaven and earth, the Creator, the Sustainer, and the One who will bring it all to a close at the appointed time. Now we ask that You would bless us as we continue in this service to get a fuller picture of you and your darling Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And it is in His name we pray. Amen. We left off last Lord's Day looking at verse 13 in 1 John 5. And by way of review we pointed out that, well, let's just read the verse. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life, and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. And so we see from this that John was writing to people who were already believing. And we also pointed out that the, the scoffers and the haters of God's Word uh, try to say that uh, these things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God. That is, th that first part, 
they want to say that's not in uh, what they call the oldest and best manuscripts, like they try to rip out 1 John 5, 7. And of course, I'm not going to go back through all of that, but we gave our case for the fact that 1 John 5, 7, as well as this in uh, 1 John 5, 13, uh, is part of the... Uh, part of the original text. And isn't it amazing that the modern scoffers who want to uh, tear out and throw away and rip out a part of God's Word, they never bring up the, the fact that these verses and I'm particularly talking about 1 John 5, 7 right now, was never questioned for 1,500 years of Christianity. And when Erasmus, who uh, translated the Greek into the English, <clears throat> or translated... Had put together the Greek New Testament. He left it out his first edition, but later re realized his error and put it back in all the other Greek texts. So for 1,500 years, there was no question in the Greek text. Jerome didn't leave it out of his Latin translation though some of the modern scholars try to say that he did. It was never left out of any translation into uh, other languages until 1881 when the revised version came out. So for 1,800 years, it was never left out of any translation. But they, uh, the scoffers don't say that. They say, well, it's not in the best and oldest manuscripts. Well, the best and oldest manuscripts, the reason they were uh, so preserved is because they weren't used. The early saints didn't believe they were good, and so they laid them aside. And the ones that they did use and believe were correct, uh, they wore out. You know, like you have your Bible, those of you that read your Bible, and I'm thankful for this congregation that they do, and even uh, ladies here in their 90s uh, have not uh, thought that, well, uh, their Bible, you know, they're not going to be around very much longer, so we're not going to worry about it. They've recently this year, I want the Internet to know, <laughs> they bought new Bibles. <laughs> They were wearing out their other ones and uh, filling them up with notes and so on from their studies. And so uh, people like that, when they use uh, the text, the Greek text, they wear them out and have to replace them. And so that's the reason that uh, uh, well, I'm just hitting, hit, hitting the surface on that. If I don't go on, I'll spend all my time on that again. But 1 John 5.13 
is showing that he said, I, I write these things unto you that believe. I'm writing to believers that you may believe. In other words, you say, well, that sounds contradictory. Well, when you read it in the original text, I'm writing unto you that you might keep on believing, in other words. And that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the same as John in his Gospel, which essentially all the modern commentators do not trans, uh, uh, explain this correctly. In John 20 and verse 31, These are written that you might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life through His name. They explain that, most even the so-called grace and Reformed uh, commentators, they explained that as if John was writing it in order that people might believe in order to be born again or have eternal life. But if you were to translate that uh, in our modern vernacular, and A.T. Robertson actually did translate it uh, properly, it would read, And these are written that you might keep on believing that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you might have life in His name. So the idea of believing here is the idea of having eternal life, that is, that you're in possession of eternal life, which is what John 3.16 is saying. It's not saying what the world, religious world, Christian religious world is saying. It's saying, for God so loved the world that whosoever believeth, whosoever is believing, has, not will have, but has in possession of eternal life. And then we pointed out last Lord's Day, uh, John seventeen three where Jesus praying to His Father said, and this is life eternal, that they might know Thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. And so we closed out last Lord's Day showing who the only true God is. Now we, we didn't give a full explanation of that, but we showed that the true God is the creator of the universe. This true God is the God Almighty of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. This true God is the same one that met Moses on Mount Sinai that called himself the I Am. And he's the same one that is, that is the Father of Jesus Christ. And so we just gave that brief description that to, if you're in possession of eternal life, you know this God. And if you don't know this true God, 
You don't. You're. You can't say that you're in possession of eternal life. You say, well, you don't know who's born again and who's not. No, I don't. I can't see anybody's heart. That's true. But I can read the Bible. And life eternal, Jesus Christ said, is to know the only true God. Not Buddha. No, Buddha never claimed to be God. Not Shinto. Not Brahma. Nor any, nor any of the other hundreds of thousands of Hindu gods. Not Muhammad. Not anyone but Jehovah. He said, I am the Lord. Beside me there is none other. And we read that last Lord's Day. This morning, we want to take up, he said, eternal life is knowing the only true God and Jesus Christ whom Thou hast sent. Now, if we wanted to do a thorough study of Jesus Christ, we would go all the way back to Genesis 3.15 and talk about the seed of the woman. And we would talk about uh, Jesus was also there on Mount Sinai and talk about the Trinity and how that Jesus and God uh, and the Father are one and how that the God, the Father, God, the Son, and God, the Holy Spirit are all one and, and on and on and on. And in other words, there's a whole lot of things that we could say about Jesus and we could preach several sermons on that. But we're not going to do that. We're going to try to just uh, hit some major points. And the reason I want to do this is because modern man has the idea that it doesn't matter what you believe as long as you believe something. Scripture does not teach that. Jesus Christ Himself said, and I may have it down here, but Jesus Christ said, unless you believe that I am He, or unless you believe I am, you shall die in your sins. It's essential to believe that Jesus is the Christ. It's not essential in order to be born again. But if you want to know whether you are born again, are you a believer? Are you a believer? You say, believer, believer in what? That Jesus, the truth about Jesus, John seventeen three again, this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. There's a lot of people named Jesus, but God didn't send them. 
as his son. Well, let's look at a few texts. First of all, Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. In other words, these are some essential truths of Jesus. Luke 1, verse 31. Well, let's read verse 30. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. There's a lot of books and a lot of people write about, well, how was this conception done? And they try to go into modern genetics and explain it in various sundry ways. I don't even try to do that. I don't think we can. All I know that it was. And he shall be great and shall be called the Son of the Highest. And the Lord shall give him the throne of his father David. Now notice that. David had been dead for hundreds of years. But Christ is the son of David too. He's not only the son of God, he's the son of David. He came through the lineage of David. It's essential to know that. That's it. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever. And of his kingdom there shall be no end. The kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ I won't take the time to prove all of this, but I'll just state it. Came when Christ came. And whether you're a millennialist, premillennialist, or postmillennialist, it'll continue forever. We may differ on the eschatological ideology of that. As far as uh, preterism, I don't even consider it to be orthodox. So I'll just leave that for anybody out there that may wonder what I think. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. 
Now that, that's where I'm going to stop. Shall be called the Son of God. In other words, He wasn't made the Son of God when He was born. He was the Son of God from all eternity. He's the uniquely begotten One that John talked about. God sent His Son. The Bible says more than once that God sent His Son. It didn't say He sent the Word to be the Son. You say, why do you keep stressing that? Because there's a lot of people that say Jesus wasn't the Son of God until He was born of the Virgin Mary. And it's important that we know the truth about Jesus to know whether we have eternal life. Eternal life is not being born again and living any way you want or believing anything you want. The Holy Spirit doesn't lead people to believe anything they want to believe. The Holy Spirit that regenerates people leads them into the truth of God. Now you say, well, how much will uh, a, a person understand about these particulars and how much will they be able to articulate all of that? I don't know. The Bible doesn't say. But it does, it does tell us what I'm reading. And you either have to say, well, I don't believe the Bible says what it's saying. Or you have to say, well, I know that's what it says, but that's not what it means. Well, I believe God meant what He said when He wrote it. He had men to write it, but He inspired them. And I believe God meant what He said. From Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, God created I believe that just as literal as I believe what I just read here. Matthew one twenty one, which is somewhat of a parallel. And she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Eternal life is knowing that Jesus saves His people. Not every human being. Matthew chapter 22. Picking up in verse 41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? Whose son is he? They say unto him, The son of David. 
And he saith unto them, How then doth David in spirit... Notice David didn't write the Psalms out of his own mind. He was guided by the Holy Spirit. David in spirit called him Lord, saying... The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then called him Lord, how is he his son? Now it is essential that you note how the word Lord is spelled in this verse, it's spelled two different ways. The King James translators did justice to this, and this is the quote from Psalm 110, verse 1. The first Lord is in all is in capital letters. which is the same as Jehovah. The second Lord is the word Adonai in the Hebrew. David, son, is also Jehovah. Remember Jesus said, you remember the seven I am's of John where Jesus said I am and uh, much is made about that showing that he was the same as the I am in Exodus and showing that he was God. Actually, Jesus said the I am is more than just those seven times, but uh, I just I don't want to chase that rabbit either right now. But what am I trying what am I getting at? What is eternal life? It's knowing the truth about Jesus. It's knowing the truth about the Father. We've already looked at that, the only true God. But it's knowing the truth about Jesus. Eternal life is not just Having eternal life is not just being born again. Eternal life includes knowledge. It includes quantity as well as quality. Eternal life has to do with what one believes about Jesus Christ. The believing doesn't give life, but believing the truth about Jesus Christ is proof that you have life. And we have a whole lot of people running around here claiming to be uh, Christians that have no concept of who Christ is. You even have preachers 
talking about Jesus being liable to sin. Let's look at the Gospel of John, chapter 1. What are we doing? We're giving some highlights. We're giving some highlights that give us insight as to the truth about Christ. John 1, 29. The next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, Behold the Lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. The only way that sin is going to be removed is by the blood of Christ. Good works won't do it. Believing won't do it. Faith won't do it. Going to church won't do it. Baptism won't do it. The Lord's Supper won't do it. Only the blood of Christ. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus is the one and only Savior. And beside Him, there is no salvation at all. Chapter 6 of John. Picking up in verse 32. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Moses gave you not that bread from heaven, but my Father giveth you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is He which cometh down from heaven and giveth life unto the world. Then said they unto him, Lord, evermore give us this bread. And Jesus said unto them, I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. Are you hungry? Are you thirsty? I'm not talking about physical hunger and physical thirst. I'm talking about spiritual hunger and thirst. And he that believes that Jesus is the bread of heaven... His thirst is quenched. His hunger is satisfied. Drop down to verse 53. Then Jesus said unto them, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except ye eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, Ye have no life in you. 
That's another way of saying, unless you believe on Jesus Christ, you don't have life. An unbeliever doesn't have life. That's what Jesus is saying. Whoso eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood hath eternal life. He has eternal life. If he's not eating and drinking of Christ, he doesn't have eternal life. Upon what are you feasting? For my flesh is meat indeed, and my blood is drink indeed. He that eateth my flesh and drinketh my blood dwelleth in me, and I in him. <clears throat> you want to know what it is to dwell in God? It's to believe on Christ and feast on Him. Are you dwelling in God? Are you dwelling in Christ? I can't answer that. You can't answer it for me. But beloved, it is essential that we answer that. That we might know whether we have eternal life or not. So much for those folks that say it doesn't matter whether you believe or not. Or for so for so those who say, well, you can still have eternal life and and believe in Buddha or believe in uh, Muhammad or believe in something else. I don't see how anybody with intelligence can read the Bible and come up with that. Verse 57, As the living Father hath sent me, and I live by the Father, so, or we might say, even so he that eateth me, even he shall live by me. This is that bread which came down from heaven, not as your father did eat manna and are dead. He that eateth of this bread shall live forever. Beloved, it won't be the final end of all things, but it'll be far better and your uh, souls will be feasting far richer than you are now. But when you die and your body goes back to the dust, your spirit goes to be with God. You live forever. And if you don't, do not have eternal life, you don't know whether you live forever or not.
And then verse 62, what, and if you shall see the Son of Man ascend up where He was before. This Jesus that came, He was there before. Well, let's go to John 17. I'm going to reread, well, I'm going to read something I've already quoted several times, but I want to just get all of this in context. John 17, verses 1 through 5. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come, glorify thy Son, that thy Son may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. How many is going to have eternal life? As many as the Father gave the Son. We read Matthew one twenty one, And thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. And as many as God gives Christ, every elect is given eternal life. Jesus said so right here in verse 2. And then He said in verse 3, here's what eternal life is. that they might know Thee, the only true God in Jesus Christ, whom Thou hast sent. I have glorified Thee on earth. I have finished the work which Thou gavest me to do. And now, O Father, glorify Thou me with Thine own self, with the glory which I had with Thee before the world was. And I'd like to read the whole prayer, but skip down to verse 24. Father, I will that they also whom Thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which Thou hast given me, for Thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. So Jesus prayed that not only His people have eternal life, but His people will also be with Him. John 18, verse 37. Pilate therefore said unto him, Art thou the king then? Jesus answered, Thou sayest that I am a king. To this end was I born, and for this cause came I into the world, that I should bear witness unto the truth. Everyone that is of the truth heareth my voice. Chapter 19, verse 30. When Jesus therefore had received the vinegar, He said, It is finished. Here's the Lamb of God that come to take away the sin of the world. The Son of God. The Son of Man. Jesus Christ. This is the one that you're to believe and to believe on. And if you have eternal life, you will believe in Him and on Him.
And Christ finished the work for you. Back in John 5 and 13, that ye have eternal life and that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. The word for name is the whole person. I like what uh, Albert Barnes said, to believe on His name is to believe on Himself. The word name often being used to denote the person. To believe on His name to denote the person. The person. Well, beloved, I assure you we could have multiplied many, many, many more verses. These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that ye may know that ye have eternal life. And that ye may believe on the name of the Son of God. The whole reason for the epistle was to encourage believers to keep on believing. The whole purpose of the Gospel of John was that believers keep on believing. The whole purpose not only of these books, but others, but these two books were given that you might know that you have eternal life. But how do I know I have eternal life? It's not by what you feel. It's what the Scriptures say. Knowing the true God the only true God and Jesus Christ that the only true God sent. Somebody come along and say, well, I believe eternal life is also you've added to the Scriptures. And Revelation says, woe be to him that adds to the Scriptures or even takes away from the Scriptures. Well, I think you better put your thinking under the authority of the Word of God. Well, before we take up verses 14 through 15, we'll close this morning and come back to this this afternoon where we take up looking at confidence in prayer. Confidence in prayer. Let's pray. Oh, Holy Father, thank You for the clarity of Your Word. 
of not leaving us in the dark as to whether we are true believers or whether we have eternal life or not. You made it large and clear that anyone running might be able to read it. And yet, O oh God, unless you open the eyes of the blind, none would see. None would see. And yet at the same time, we would ask that you would open our eyes more and more. That we might grow in faith. Add into our faith virtue, knowledge, temperance, all the other graces. Grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grow in the knowledge of You, being sanctified and taught by Your Holy Spirit. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.